0: Welcome to Nature Magic. Today I'm talking to Harrison Gardner. Harrison is a builder, teacher and co-founder of Our Common Knowledge, the non-profit social enterprise focused on sharing skills for a sustainable life. Harrison has 15 years experience designing and managing the construction of conventional, sustainable and alternative buildings worldwide. His current focus is on facilitating the creation of community spaces, while teaching the core construction principles and techniques needed to build more efficient, affordable and sustainable structures. He's just released a new book entitled Build Your Own, instructing owner builders on the fundamentals of construction, and is currently filming Build Your Own, a five part TV series with RTE, which is due to broadcast in the autumn of 2022. Hi, Harrison. Thanks so much for coming on to the Nature Magic podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Mary. Happy to be here.
0: You're very, very welcome. And you're not too far away in Ennistymen and and you said it's windy and in Kibar it's completely still and sunny out the window. So
1: One of our weathers is going to change soon then. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Harrison is the co-founder and director of Our Common Knowledge. And I was going to just read out the mission and vision first to sort of set the scene for people and then ask you a few questions. So from your website, our mission, our mission is to empower people with the skills, resources, and community for a more sustainable life. Our vision, an island where anyone can feel confident in their ability and agency to create sustainable, joyful lives and our values. We are open. We thrive with a diversity of people's skills and experiences. We share our ideas and skills openly with others. So that's very inspiring. And I thought maybe if you could start by explaining kind of what our common knowledge is and how do the courses promote sustainability?
1: Yeah, of course. So it is just common knowledge. Uh, Our website is our common knowledge and we we go either way. Uh, But common knowledge is... Uh, essentially it's it's a space where people can come together and learn from each other and learn together and learn in community and where we're starting right now is in the things that we would consider should be common knowledge and might have been common knowledge just a few generations ago and I think there's been such a such a huge surge in the last few generations towards specializations to becoming specialists in, in our field, and and allowing other specialists in other fields to look after the other parts of our life. And and then it, that, that idea that was really in our parents' generation got amplified by Instagram and social media, where everything always looks perfect. It's like everyone is only a specialist, there don't seem to be many, many mediocre um, Tradespeople, builders, craftspeople out there anymore? We only see the best version of everything, and I think I think all all these ideas kind of coming together have have led us to this point of almost learned helplessness, where we we don't believe we can learn the things that we need to get by in our day to day life. How to fix a door that might be broken in our house? How to repair a light if it if it goes out? How to build our own home if we don't? have our own shelter already and and for me these things are so integral to being human. they're such a part of our story since since we've got a story um, that to subcontract all these parts of our lives to someone else, is letting go of something that that intrinsically makes us human, that makes us who we are, that makes us what we are. You know, we build nests. That that's what we do. We've always done it. We've built shelter for ourselves, and to let go of that, to let go of our influence and control over that part of our life, is to is to uh, let go of something that, in a way, our DNA is designed to do. That we we've, we've been designed to do. And I think what we might start missing, what we're going to start seeing in in our mental health and our emotional health and everything, is that we're missing these moments of daily satisfaction, of meeting our own needs, of, of fixing our own problems, of identifying something that's wrong in our life and, and attempting and trying to fix it, and because we're so scared of getting it wrong. Um. And and I think that's really, for me, the core of this, the, the, the core of learning together, learning in community, learning from each other, that everyone is a teacher and everyone is a student. Is that you have to start by getting it wrong before you can get it right, you know that's how we learn that's how all experiments and, and processes work is that we figure out all the ways not to do something before we figure out the right one and that's part of the process.
0: Yeah, that's very, very, very true. It's it's sort of a loss that people are feeling that they haven't even identified. And the course is looking on the website. I mean, just to explain to people some of the things that you teach. Uh, well, obviously it's building, building your own house. And you have just yeah. written your book about build your own house as well. So yeah. we'll talk about that a bit later. Making sure. lime plaster, making your own tiles, dyes from nature composting and organic gardening and things yeah. like that. So I suppose uh, one that I've been hearing about on the radio, because I keep hearing you, that's why. <laughs> that's how I found out about you, is the problem in Ireland about people not being able to afford their own houses. Uh, a lot of not even young people living with their parents. Um, we have a housing crisis and your methods are something towards a solution that people can sort of envisage that they can actually have their own house if they take on a lot of the labor themselves. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the build your own house course?
1: Of course, yeah. You know, I, I think I I think I should start by saying I don't believe there's a, a one size fits all solution to the housing crisis. Just like I don't believe there's a one size fits all house for every person out there. You know, we're all unique. We all have different needs. We all have different family setups and and where we all need a unique solution and the only way to achieve that is by creating that solution ourselves personally understanding what our own needs are and creating the solution that fits for us and the reason i started build school before it was common knowledge and, and what's now become common knowledge was that a lot of my peers who we're in a similar situation to me. I'm early thirties. I've just had my first child. Uh, we're setting up our family home, um, and for me, that was a simple enough process. You know, I bought a derelict stone cottage out in in West Clare, and I renovated it and turned it into a home with the help of about ten friends over two months, and we had a home, and that was it, <laughs> and that was the process, and. A lot of my peers couldn't believe that that was the process, couldn't believe that it was possible to do that, and couldn't fathom how they could achieve that themselves. Even though they could afford the the derelict stone cottage, they couldn't comprehend how to take the next step and how to start working on it and building it and and creating it. So I started running the Build School courses to give people the, the first steps, the basic understanding of how structures work. And it started with six people around my dining table, and we talked about foundations we talked about wall structures we talked about roof structures i taught everyone how to use tools i uh, we we talked about plumbing and electricity and everything and and then they told their friends and then the next year there was there was 15 people around the table and then 30 30 people a few months later and and now they've been fairly consistently sold out courses for for the last 2 years um, running multiple courses every year and what we're what we're focusing on is the fundamentals, right? It's not a how-to guide. It's not a step-by-step IKEA guide of, of how to build a house because I don't think that will serve everyone as much as giving them the understanding of how structures work so they can build whatever it is they want to build out of whatever material they want to build out of because that's where our uniqueness comes in, is, is what we have access to and what we have available to us. and. The, my, my hope is to get people into homes, under roofs by whatever means necessary. And for some people, their best chance at getting into a home is going to be building it themselves. Because for whatever reason, their, their setup doesn't make them eligible for a mortgage. It, it doesn't. It, it's not possible for them to contract a builder for hundreds of thousands of euros to do their home for them. For a lot of people, they're a single person who simply need shelter. They need their own space close to where they work or a space that they can work from. And the system really isn't designed for that person. The, the mortgage and lending system, the repayment system, it isn't designed for, for single young single people to, to get into housing. And, and that's probably the biggest mistake we've made in, in setting up these, um, these lending systems and these, these ways that we get into homes. Anyway, sorry. I, uh, I get distracted. No no but that's
0: that's absolutely brilliant. I mean I I love the fact that you go back completely to the foundations and even to the f- concept of thermal flow and gravity. You know the two concepts really thermal flow we have to keep yeah. our heat in and gravity we have to keep our walls standing up. And yeah. I just was had a quick look at your book on the <laughs> internet this morning and it's like yeah. you learned about gravity as a toddler with many broken bones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. um I mean, Ireland, of course, the rain. The rain mm. I think would be the biggest challenge, or is it, for somebody building their house?
1: I mean, it's it's a challenge in that you have to think about it, but no more than the lack of rain is a challenge in another country. And you really have to think about that when you're building a house too. Yeah, Ireland, true. Ireland doesn't have it 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 doesn't have the most extreme weather in the world. You know it has it has its own unique climate, which has its own unique problems. Um And I think one of the reasons our buildings still look the same today as they did eighty years ago as they did one hundred years ago. The reason we're building the same shape is because we're not looking further afield than Ireland to solve our problems. And our unique weather systems here isn't a reason enough to not get inspiration from other solutions that are being being presented across the world you know there are other countries with much warmer climates with much higher rainfall that have found different ways to deal with rain they've built their homes differently homes raised up off the ground ho- homes with long uh, eaves and overhangs to protect the walls from rain and there's a lot there's a lot we can learn from these these other cultures and these other architectural styles and adapt to our our building style here um, you know the the reason the vernacular Irish countryside house looks the way it does is because traditionally we built with stone here, especially out here in in Clare, and and the the typical uh, shaped house, the square with a triangle on top that a that a child might draw in their in their uh, coloring book. That shape is the easiest shape to build. With this dry stack stone material. It makes the most sense, you know, because a triangle is the strongest shape that we can build. We've made huge advances since stone was our only building material. We have so many other ways of building now. We have so many new technologies, so many new ideas to adapt to old technologies that we can be more creative with our spaces. We can push the limits a little bit more. We can we can create spaces that traditionally weren't part of the culture here but could be really beneficial to to our way of living and our way of enjoying our home like mm-hmm. covered outdoor spaces you know it's ireland ireland's the only i've been all over the world to a lot of different climates and ireland is the only very very wet climate that doesn't have a culture of building covered outdoor spaces um and it really doesn't make it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that we don't harness the fact that we live in a fairly temperate climate. It rarely gets below zero here. And if we just protect ourselves from the rain, we're, we're doubling, we're tripling our living space suddenly into, into where we can expand. And we only get these ideas and these solutions by looking further afield than Ireland and adapting those ideas to our problems.
0: Mm, oh my goodness. I want to ask you like 20 different questions now, but I know I can't We'll so go off on a tangent. <laughs> But um, I love the fact that, you know, drawing different inspirations from traditional building in different countries and also from the new technologies um, that are coming to light. For instance, there's a company in Texas that does inflatable domes, so you get your house in the post inflated up and then you spray on your concrete inside and might not be totally suitable for Ireland, but, you know, we have to keep our eyes open and I agree totally about covering ourselves from the rain. We have a famine village here or a derelict group of houses down on the land. And some of them have curved walls. So the archaeologist said famine, but it could even be Iron Age. So in the Iron yeah. Age, they started with the dry stone building in yeah. circular shapes. I, obviously, that might be more difficult to build a roof, but we've lost the circular element as well, which I think needs to come back. But anyway, that's, no, <laughs> that's but another I mean, yeah, conversation.
1: The, re- the reason... This is this is the issue, this is what we've lost by by not passing on our building knowledge from generation to generation anymore, but only looking towards the most efficient solutions for building. Is that we end up losing things like curves and ending up with things like straight walls because. it's more efficient to build a house from start to finish by building a straight wall because it's easier to put a roof on it, but a dry stack stone wall is multiple times stronger by being in a curve than it is in a straight line, right? It's, it's the stronger way of building. It's a more instinctual way of building to have it curve, to have it bend, because that's what the stones want to do. That's what this sh- whole shape wants to do. It wants to be round. It wants to support itself and structurally be strong. Um, and, and we we've lost these instinctual ways of looking at building materials and working with what we have access to because we're striving for efficiency all the time. And we're being told that every step along the journey to be more efficient, to make the process more efficient, to make the houses go up faster, to make them last longer so that we can do what? So that yeah. we can fill that time with what, you know? Go into the office or something. Exactly, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's the bigger issue here is that we've, we've skewed our priorities and we've put housing into a category of other things in our life that that are products. And housing isn't a product. It isn't something you buy once and it works until it's broken and then you return it or you ask for a refund. You know, the houses, houses need to be alive with us. They need to grow with us and change with us. They need to adapt as we change because we keep changing. You know, kids keep coming, people come to stay. We have weddings, we have parties. We need the spaces to be able to adapt and change to our needs. And that doesn't work if we look at housing like a product. We, mm. we need to look at it like an extension of ourselves and a reflection of ourselves and what we care about and what's important to us. You know, if you love cooking, your kitchen should be huge. It should be a celebration of, of what you love doing, because that's what you want to spend your time doing. And someone who loves cooking, who doesn't prioritize that, is not going to be happy. They're not, they're not going to find happiness in that home because it's not catering to their needs.
0: Mm, absolutely oh goodness we could talk for a long time um i'd love to if you could just tell people how you got to this point in your life briefly
1: sure sure that's a big that's a big question to say briefly (laughs) sorry Um, oh it's all right it's all right um originally i'm from australia um and i i grew up in a house that my parents built around me as i was growing up we we moved in as soon as they'd gotten the the roof on but none of the internal work had been done yet and we camped in the house in the beginning now that's much easier in a warm climate like australia um but that's what i grew up around i grew up with exposed stud walls i grew up as my you know dad would be doing the flooring in the mornings and then the flooring when he came back after work in the afternoons and so building materials and tools and construction sites have always always been very uh natural to me it's it's been a um, it's been an obvious draw for me um at some point in uh, towards when i was nearing finishing high school i realized that i was never going to be able to afford to buy a finished house in australia i was i i didn't see myself being able to earn enough to buy a finished house in australia definitely not outright and the life i saw myself taking wasn't one that was setting me up for a mortgage you know i wasn't i wasn't falling into that that category And so I decided that I needed to learn how to build, that that would be the the easiest way to make sure that I had a home. So I I started working in construction. I learned conventional construction in Australia. I then went to Kenya and I went to India and I did a lot of work over there in different communities, doing some conventional construction, learning some new natural construction techniques and and, uh, recycled construction techniques as well. And then kept going and the journey kept, kept on going until 10 years later, I traveled most of the world building with different building styles, different building materials in different climates, with different kinds of builders and, and different people, um, until I landed in Ireland seven years ago, and um, I think partly it's a beautiful place, partly it's a beautiful it's a beautiful people to, to spend time with and I loved being here, but also I was at this point in my life where i was ready to have my own home i was ready to have my own space to work on i'd been building other people's homes for 10 years at that point and i i had a lot of ideas and a lot of things i wanted to try out and a lot of experiments i wanted to work on and so i found a property out here in in Clare uh, that i could afford that that was it's five acres with an old stone ruin and three more stone ruins next to it on it. I called up all my favours from the past 10 Grow and, and accommodate more children. And, um, and so it keeps, it keeps growing. And starting common knowledge is, is really a way for me, firstly, selfishly, that I didn't want to travel anymore, but I still wanted to keep teaching. And, and because that's, that's where I see myself having the most value. That's where I see myself making the most impact. And so I've been teaching for, for seven years um, abroad before coming to Ireland and I wanted to keep doing that and so launching Common Knowledge was a way to keep that story going, to keep being able to teach people and I just want to be able to help everyone feel secure in their home and feel secure in shelter because I have that feeling, I want to share that feeling and I see a lot of my peers not feeling secure in their housing situation. and. As we as we talked about it more and more, as we've spread these conversations further and further, it's not just my peers, it's it's people of all ages who are not feeling secure in their in their homes, in their shelter, in their in the fact that their home's going to be there in 10 years or 15 years for them. Um, and so the conversation grows and grows and changes. Um, and, and now it's expanded, common knowledge has expanded to accommodate many more aspects of of what we consider daily things daily parts of our lives that we can take back a little control over and make a little more personal again and have a little more say and a little more influence in because things like working on our own homes things like building furniture around the home um growing our own food these are all topics that we should have a say in we should have an opinion in we're allowed to be a part of that conversation and what we're doing at common knowledge is equipping people with enough knowledge to join the conversation we're getting everyone up to speed here's the language here's what we're talking about here's the basic principles of it now go off and argue with your uncle go off and argue with your cousins about what you're going to build and how you're going to do it and keep talking about it and feel confident that you're allowed to Have a say and that your opinion matters because we all have an equal say in in housing and and what our homes look and feel like Uh, we just need to remind everyone that that's Mm, a share value but
0: that that's a lovely story and and what you've created um is is amazing really i mean the Mm -hmm. amount of people that contribute to your team and um what you're doing you know i want everybody to check it out our common knowledge .org, but I have a few questions now before I let you yeah, go off go to ahead, do all man. your daily work. Um, so you said you wanted to experiment on a few things. Um, what was your most successful experiment um, since you started building
1: your own house? Well, well the, the regular experiments for the past 10 years have been finding ways to turn what we consider waste material or garbage into building materials. And it's going along with the the idea that none of the things that we buy are products, they're called products, sometimes we think of them as products and they're sold to us as a, as a thing, but everything has value, everything has some kind of structural value or some kind of thermal value, and, and so very little trash or garbage leaves the property here. Which my wife Erin uh, occasionally brings up and occasionally has issue with the, the piles of building materials that I store all around the property because I refuse to kind of let them go because they they will be able to turn into something. The one I've been working on kind of the most the last year has been has been working with my my farmer neighbor's sheep's wool mm. and and turning the sheep's wool back into a useful building material. We all know that wool keeps us warm. We all know that it's possible. Yet in Ireland, we we haven't set up a nationwide system for dealing with wool by any means. And so, for all our woolen jumpers, for all the famous Donegal tweed, we're importing that wool from the other side of the world, from New Zealand, while while wool rots in the fields here now. I don't know enough about textiles to say that, you know, the Irish wool is as good as the New Zealand wool or whatever it is, but I know that the wool that we're creating here is perfect for building material. And we should not be importing building materials from outside of Ireland when it's literally rotting and composting in the fields all around the country.
0: It is. You can't sell the sheep's wool in Ireland for some reason. There's no market for it.
1: Well, the reason the reason is is because there is no scouring plant, which is the the way of cleaning the wool in Ireland. And the the scouring plant that's being talked about and has been basically decided not to be built several years in a row now is, is so big that it would cater for the whole country, but it's too big. It would be hard to justify it because of the size of it. So I've been trying to develop small micro scouring plants so that the wool doesn't have to transport anywhere at all that that within a community within a county all the wool can go to a central location it can be washed and it can go back out into that same county it doesn't need to travel across the country it doesn't need to travel across europe it can go back into the houses that are right here i love
0: it that sounds like a brilliant plan
1: yeah and so We've been washing a lot of wool. We've been processing a lot of wool. We've been extracting the lanolin and trying to find different uses for the lanolin. And we've gotten to a pretty good point. We've gotten to a pretty good system with it where now the next stage in that process is uh, is, is setting up this micro plant, which is gonna cost 20 to 30,000 euros. So we're, we're kind of working towards that project, but we've we've done all the manual uh, processes and and we know it works. We've shown that it works, we've done it, we've used it here, and it's working really well. So Um, is it a
0: matter of putting it through different kind of chemicals or something like that?
1: Yeah, There's no no chemicals involved. So basically what we're doing with wool, naturally, it's very warm, um, and it's going to keep us warm. It's a great insulative material. Mm -hmm. Um, But the lanolin that it's covered in, which stops the sheep from getting wet, makes it a little bit flammable right oh. and so we need to wash the lanolin out before we can use it as an insulation material so lanolin melts at 60 degrees celsius so we we put the sheep's wool into a warm bath just at 60 degrees the lanolin melts out of the wool we then put the wool into a salt water bath and the salt breaks down the last fats that that might be in with the lanolin there and then we rinse it and then we dry it out and what you have is clean dry wool that from that point could then go through a picking machine and a carding machine and being turned into textiles if you want. But for the building industry, if we were then gonna take that wool and put it into a home, we need to make sure that the moths don't wanna live in it. Because now that it's clean and free of lanolin, it's a, it's a great home for mice and rats and moths and everything, just like all insulation materials are. And so we have to treat the wool after that. And that's where that's where the the chemical, now it's not a heavy chemical, it's it's an, just a highly alkaline chemical. It's called borax, um, and yeah. and um, borax used to be used across Ireland in farming for treating for fixing acidic soil. Uh, we used to eat it all the time, but it's but it's been been yeah. kind of my uh, my
0: good. grandfather used to um, have a business in South America where mules would be well, mules mule trains would bring borax out of across the country from the mines. Yeah. So I've seen pictures of these like 100 mules with the carriages behind and borax was a massive product at the time yeah
1: well what borax does is it basically creates such a high alkaline environment that nothing wants to live in it so no animals no bugs are ever going to go and live in it because it's just not a hospitable place for them to be and so and so that's the process the 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 wool then needs to get coated in the borax and then it can go into the homes um, as a as an insulation material there and as one of the best insulation materials that that we can create. You know, we, we go to so much work to literally melt stone and spin it into a wool. That's what rock wool is, where we're turning stone to molten and Ugh. then spinning it, basically ferry flossing it into an insulation material. And it works really, really well, but we've got piles of sheep's wool composting across the country that don't need to be heated and, yeah. and turned into... To I know.
0: well I mean the other part works. when I when I see common knowledge you just naturally think common sense and yeah. that does not make sense yeah. spinning spinning rock and trying to turn it into insulation when we have it running around the fields all over Ireland exactly <laughs> um, my this. zoom is now telling me we've only seven minutes le- left and it never oh, gave it me a time there. yeah it never gave me a time limit before it's very mean <laughs> so anyway that's good for you because you can get back to your work so what would you like to tell people before you go? And also, you know, where can people get in touch with you and a bit about where they can get get your book?
1: Of course, yeah. So um what do I want to tell people? Yeah, I want it's to, a one to, thing. I, I want people to come to common knowledge. Come and okay. do a course with us. Come and learn something new that you don't know about yet or that you mm-hmm. want to know more about. And I promise you'll have a great time. The, the courses are great. We, we do... I I put a lot of work into teacher training to finding the right teachers to pair with the right students to make sure that we're giving really solid, really quality knowledge, and it's fundamental knowledge, it's not just a how-to guide, it's 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 fundamental. Exactly, yeah, (laughs) Um, and and so uh, check out the website, ourcommonknowledge.org, have a look at the courses we're doing. Come to a course bring a friend to a course um, it's it's going to be a really great summer we've just started our courses for the year and. we've already done a building your own pizza oven course we've done a line pointing course we've done a furniture making course where people everyone came and made their own stool. Um, we've got a line plastering course coming up this weekend and we've got our build schools, where we'll be building tiny homes. And other timber frame structures and teaching the fundamentals of how structure works, whether it's timber frame, brick, block, stone, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to build out of, it's the same basic principles that you need to know to be able to build your own home. Mm, um, brilliant. And the book. The yeah. book, um,
0: I had a quick look on and I've ordered it actually. It's very for me, very appealing because it's got little pictures of all the tools you
1: need at the start. Exactly.
0: And if it's like, oh, you need a tape measure, you need a grinder, you need
1: yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, I uh, the, the book is the book is designed to be like your favorite cooking book, your favorite recipe book. You know, it's 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 broken down into the 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 basics, the the core ideas behind all these building methods. And each chapter talks about a different part of the building process. And then there's recipes for all the different types of materials you might use to achieve that part of your building process. Um, We're not not trying to teach any one way of building. We're trying to teach how all buildings work and how they all relate to each other. Um, And so uh, anyone, you can buy the book at at pretty much any bookstore in the country right now. You can buy them from my website Um, or you can come and say hi and, and pick one up off me. Okay, Okay. and what's
0: the book called exactly so people get it right?
1: The book book is called build your own using what you have to create what you need.
0: Okay, very good. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was very inspirational and we will come and find you and check you you, out and I hope yeah and and also come up here and and have a look around but and I hope everybody that listens we have a good um, listenership in Ireland and the UK, uh, America. Yeah, so everybody come and find our common knowledge.
1: Yeah, brilliant. All right, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for the
0: work that you do, um, and it all helps towards a sustainable planet. It
1: does, I hope so. All right. Thank
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. Please support the show by subscribing. And if you like us, please give us a five star review. This really helps spread a positive voice for nature. This is a non-for-profit enterprise, so any free marketing helps to spread the reach. Great news this week. With the help of our fantastic French volunteer, Jade Dossat, our new collection of nature books, recommended by our podcast guests and available in our gift shop, are now also live to buy in the Borough Nature Sanctuary online shop. We have recommended books from some amazing minds, including Jonathan Porrett, Mary Reynolds, Professor Temple Grandin, Cy Montgomery, David Sobel, and many more. Check out the shop at borrongnaturesanctuary.ie. Thank you for your support.